So number one is visualization. So it sounds crazy, right? But athletes visualize, musicians visualize, actors, actresses, everybody who has some kind of high expectation for performance and there's pressure on spends time visualizing. Imagine this, you finally landed your first call with a prospect. You're really excited about it. Your preparation for this call will be what sets the tone for the entire interaction. But what prep is the right prep? When is it just too much? Listen in to hear Kylie and I break down the science-backed preparation you should include before you ever engage your prospects or clients on a call. It is time to spend the effort and get your mindset right. I'm Kylie Schmitz. I'm Dan Lappin, and this is Breaking Sales, a nonconformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the Lappin 180 team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects. Dan, what do you want to talk about today? I thought we would talk about how I prep for meetings. I think that could be helpful. Yeah, because, right, you work so hard to get these conversations. You want to make sure you're at your best before you go in so that you have some kind of competitive advantage, right? Absolutely. You got to differentiate. Right. So I'm going to walk the listeners through how I would prep for a meeting. So the first thing I do is I try to think about how am I going to communicate my value? I will spend a couple hours going through my slides, what slides might be important, what slides are maybe not as important. I'll emphasize key components of what we do. The next thing, Kylie, I'll do is I'll script out some of the conversations that I think will happen based on my previous experiences. So, you know, I might say to myself and write out, well, if they say this, I'm going to say that. And if they do this, I'm going to do that. If they mention this, I'm going to show that. And I'll make sure I have extra slides ready just in case I need them. Then I'm going to think about what is my overall objective of the conversation, right? Making sure that I can shepherd and drive that conversation toward the ultimate goal of what I want, which is typically a second conversation. So if they ask this question, I'm going to think in my head, how do I answer that so that they can see my value and so that they will want a second meeting? Or if they say something negative that I don't want to hear, I'm going to ignore it and I'm going to double down on what I think our value is and what we should be doing for them because I'm an expert and I have a lot of expertise. So I'm then going to drive toward what I know will be important to them and that they should be doing. And as I go through all that, again, the ultimate goal is, can I get some kind of commitment from them? And so I might spend a couple hours preparing to make sure that no matter what is thrown at me, I still get that second meeting, some kind of commitment. (laughs) Dan, I'm calling bullshit on this. (laughs) All right, Kylie, you got me. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about why that approach doesn't work. It's not in the best interest of your prospect. Can we first make sure the listeners know there is no way we're promoting that, and that is not what we do. We were just having a little bit of fun. To be fair, these were some of the talk tracks we both had before shifting to more of an advisor or consultative mindset and approach. What I mentioned for the listeners is what we've heard time and time again with different companies and different industries all over the country. There is no doubt that there's preparation, Kylie, going on before a conversation with a prospect or a client. 
but it's not too dissimilar to what I just went through. How do we get them to see our value? What are we going to share? If they say this, we'll say that. What do we anticipate the objections to be? And what do we want to make sure we walk away from? And as you as the listeners heard me rambling and going through that at the beginning of this episode, I'm just curious to how you felt. Did you agree? Did you say that's brilliant? Did you say to yourself, well, that's how we always do it. That makes sense. Dan's just telling us what we do. Well, as Kylie's already mentioned, that is 100% about what you want. Or in this little episode example, it would have been 100% about what I want. And if you think of the foundations of trust, which is core and innate to being an advisor or a consultant, the foundations of trust are all built on what's best for the other person. Every human being that you all trust in your lives, you trust them because they have your best interest at heart. And when they make a suggestion to you about something in your life that you may change or should consider changing, my gut is you will at least listen to what they have to say because they've always shown you that they have your best interest at heart. So if that's how we build trust, then why are we going to do the opposite when we're setting up and preparing to go talk to a prospect and everything that we're preparing is all about us and what we want? It's the polar opposite of how trust is built, period, end of story. It makes no sense. So what's our alternative? Well, Kylie, you and I have talked about some of these statistics recently, and I think they're pretty interesting, right? Average time an NFL football player prepares during the week is 44 hours to play less than 11 minutes of actual playing time. A PGA Tour golfer, right? The best of the best. A typical round of golf, 18 holes, takes four hours. It's estimated that the golfer takes between 22 and 27 minutes worth of time and effort in preparation and actually executing their swing. And then a top musician will practice about 40 hours a week to play two, two and a half hours during the weekend. I think it's obvious that the amount of prep these high performers are putting into their expertise is significant, and it's significant more time compared to what they're actually participating in or the actual activity of their expertise. So I think we need to share that with our audience before we go into how do you truly prep for your conversations with your prospects and clients. So what does that prep process look like or what could it look like as an alternative to the imaginary process we took everybody through at the beginning? I think there's two things that everybody should be first and foremost thinking about before they actually get into their prep. The first thing they should be thinking about is how is this prospect going to come into the meeting or how is this client going to enter the meeting? Before we even get into ourselves, our skills, our questions, our research, we have to level set. How is this prospect coming in? The prospect is coming in with some kind of bias. Even if you referred there's going to be a bias. That bias might be something around loyalty, who they currently do business with. The bias could be around pride, that whatever the strategy is, the technique is, whatever the solution is that they're currently using, they developed it, they initiated it, so they're going to feel an innate pride toward it. There will be some biases, even if what they're doing is not working. All right. There'll also be biases around who did the referral. 
If someone referred us in and that person is well-respected, there could be a little bit more trust built. But if that person who did the referral is looked at as a competitive peer or someone that maybe the trust isn't quite there, but the referral was still given, there'll be a bias there as well. Because if the person receiving the referral receives it from someone that they're not necessarily sure they trust, that distrust bias finds its way into us, the ones who are being referred in. So again, you don't know how that prospect is coming into the meeting, what fears they have, what their past experiences are. All that's in play. And I think you have to be very cognizant of that when you first start your preparation. Yeah. And I would just say you can't assume that they're going to be open to new ideas and you can't assume that they're not open to new ideas. You've got to be neutral and approach the conversation objectively and meet them wherever they're at in their level of openness. Yeah. And we both know that in order to do that, you have to start with learning and you have to prioritize learning so that you can start to get a sense of wherever they might be. And the more learning that you do, the more of a sense that you receive or generate about your prospect's propensity for change, their willingness to think different, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the second thing you have to keep an eye on right before you start your preparation is it is important to also remind yourself what you're not going to do. I think that's a big part of preparation. So if you have a tendency to jump to solution and you end up more often than not getting frustrated because even though your solution is spot on and you know it is, and you know if the prospect took your advice, they'd be better off, the prospect still doesn't do it. And that can get frustrating. And so you have to remind yourself, let me learn a little bit more first. Let's not jump to a solution. Well, and you also have to factor in, maybe they've tried something like that before in the past and your solution is not a new or different one. This past week, working with one of our clients, Kylie, they had a tendency to always bring PowerPoints. And they realized that the PowerPoints that they were bringing in this first meeting was nothing more than a hiding spot. Because instead of asking the powerful questions, instead of focusing on the listening and the learning, they were able to always default and revert to their PowerPoints, which made them feel good inside. They didn't learn anything different. They didn't learn anything different than maybe the competition was learning, but they felt good because it gave them a chance to share their expertise, even though the prospect wasn't willing to listen to the expertise. But the slides were comforting. It was a default mechanism. Reminds me of Linus with his blanket from Charlie Brown. It's actually a pretty good analogy. (laughs) Just carrying that blanket PowerPoint around all day. (laughs) So two things, right? Number one, Be aware of the biases or try to at least remind yourself that that prospect is coming into the meeting with biases, with fears, and tendencies that probably don't serve that prospect's ability to be objective with you. Know that going in. Two, also be aware of what you don't want to do in the meeting anymore, things that you do want to avoid, jumping too quickly to share expertise, talking too much. Okay, spending too much time on rapport because that's also a hiding spot for you. One of the things that I showed a client recently was this 80-20 rule for a first conversation. I had thrown up on a presentation that in a first conversation, 80% of the time they should be doing the talking, 20% of the time we do the talking. 
if we're meeting with a prospect. And that was an aha moment because most of the first conversations that many of them were having, it was more of 80% of the time we're doing the talking, 20% of the time they're talking. And we do no learning when that happens. And we've always talked about that might work for the two out of 10 who've already decided to make a decision. But then you lose in the other eight or two, three or four of the other eight that should make a decision, but can't because they can't overcome their fears and biases. Let's get into how we prep and how we're teaching our clients to prep. So number one is visualization. So it sounds crazy, right? But athletes visualize, musicians visualize, actors, actresses, everybody who has some kind of high expectation for performance and there's pressure on spends time visualizing. The military spends time visualizing. So we should visualize a second meeting. Yes, exactly, Kylie. (laughs) I think I'm getting it now, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) A long way, but we got there, right? (laughs) The kind of visualizing Kylie and I are talking about is not the prospect shaking their head up and down saying, yeah, I'd love to meet again. It's visualizing yourself feeling the confidence and the calmness to truly listen and be in the moment and ask your prospects those meaningful questions, but yet visualizing your prospect's reaction or response, which is a deep contemplation, that deep thinking, and then visualizing them engaging you as they think out loud with you. Visualize them saying, that's a great question. I hadn't thought about that before. And again, visualize them doing that thinking needed to think through, contemplate whatever it is you've asked them to debate or assess. That's powerful. Visualize them pausing, silence. Visualize them asking you, what is your thoughts? How would you guys handle this? What would you recommend? Visualize the things that show and depict you learning at a deeper level, that prospect sharing at a deeper level. Kalia, what are your thoughts on visualization? Well, you nailed it, Dan. We had a prospect meeting yesterday and there was a moment where he paused and he said, I hadn't thought about that before. Now you've got my wheels turning. That's exactly the type of response that I visualize in my conversations. You know, at the end of the day, we're coaches. We coach people on business development. So I'm going in as a coach. And if I can help him think, because that's what I do when I'm coaching somebody, I'm authentically just being true to my role. And so when I'm in that conversation, I'm visualizing helping them think. That's it. Hey, Kylie, why don't you share a little bit with our listeners, though, truly how visualization works in the brain? It's a pretty cool phenomenon when you think about it. Your brain does not know the difference between something that is real and something that it's imagined. It will release the chemicals in your body as if whatever you're visualizing has truly happened as if it's a life event that you've experienced. So you're going to go into that conversation with the mindset and the chemicals in your body as if you've already gone through that. Your body is going to act like it's already been there. It's not going to be a shock to the system. You're going to operate at a cool, calm level because you've already seen how this plays out in your brain. Such a great point. And it's an easy, and it is a bit cliche of an analogy, but right, look at athletes. 
That's why they spend so much time visualizing their performance because of that exact reason. The body stays calm. The body reacts or responds as if it's used to this scenario occurring and happening. So the next thing is focus on mindset. So the next part of preparation should be mindset. This is your ability to get your mindset into a high performance space where you are open in the moment and focused on and prioritizing your listening first and you feel good about it. You can get your questions ready. You can write them out. We all know how it works though. The question process is never really linear. It's usually dynamic. There's lots of twists and turns and things like that. But what you can do is prep that mindset that empowers you to ask the powerful questions. It empowers you to challenge when needed. So mindset's extremely important. Take stock of your mindset. Here's an easy example for our listeners. If you're prepping for a meeting and your head goes to, well, how do I get the second meeting? Or I hope they like me. Or how do we get them to see my value? Or I hope this goes really well. That should tell you right away your mindset is coming from an amateur sales mindset and you will not be at your best. So you have to shift it away from that, which are focused on your needs, to focus maybe more on the prospect. And I'll give you one example to make it easy. An easy mindset shift or what we call activation shift processes. Instead of thinking about how do I get them to see my value, I hope they see it, I hope they like us, shift it to, hey, my only role, my obligation here, the only thing I'm obliged here for on this prospect conversation is to determine how and if I can help and are they even ready. That's a mindset shift example. So in our preparation process, we've got our visualization, we've got our mindset activation thoughts. What part of this preparation process does role play factor in? Role play is extremely important. It's just like a musician fine-tuning their instrument. It's like the chef reviewing and prepping their ingredients. It's like the athlete going out and stretching, going through a walkthrough. Role play is a key fundamental component for having high performance preparation. So what should people role play? They should role play how they're gonna start a meeting. They should role play the questions they're gonna ask, but they should role play the questions that they're gonna ask with empathy. They should role play the questions that they're gonna ask in a way that are engaging. They should role play calling the elephant out in the room, right? They should role play any kind of expected or forecasted disagreement and how they're gonna handle it with the prospect. And they should role play how they're going to share their intellectual property when appropriate and role play how they're gonna end the meeting. Those are all key aspects that we all know on this call always happen. There's always the beginning, there's always the questions, there's always the need for empathy, there's always the need for calling out the elephant in the room, there's always the need for challenging that prospect sometimes, there's always a need for sharing IP, solution services, and there's always a need to how you end the conversation. Those things don't really change. So role-playing that with your teammates is important. Again, it's just like the chef, the musician, the athlete, the Navy SEAL, they are prepping the execution of their expertise. And that's exactly what role play is, Kylie. It's prepping the execution of somebody's expertise, which is having a consultative or an advisory conversation. Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. If you want to get engaged with us outside of the podcast, be sure to go to our website, lapham180.com, go to contact us. 
You can also engage with us on LinkedIn at Dan Lappin or Lappin 180.